to another Bible study here at One Love Live at Love Walk, and I am your host, Lila Winston. I pray that you are well and God is blessing in your life. As you know, we come together to read and study in the Word of God so that we can practically apply it to our lives and also so that we can discover the purpose of our lives and accomplish that in the earth. And so I hope you have been well. I hope all is going well. Um, I want to encourage you, if you have free time, you can support Love Walk by uh, transcribing some of the Bible studies that we have done uh, to help us you know, put it up on lovewalk.substack.com. Don't forget to leave me a message at uh, Substack there. So let's go ahead and jump into today's Bible study. Um, I think this Bible study is really um, apt for us as believers when we pray, when we think about the things that we want, because I think that prayer can also be a time not just of asking God for what you want or what you want to see in the earth and also for his will, but it can be a way to discover things about yourself. You know, prayer is this time when we have a conversation with God, and of course, you know, we're supposed to be praying throughout the day and whatnot, but it is an opportunity for us to have a conversation with the God of the universe who has all the answers and who, who can heal and help in many ways. And so I think that is why um, prayer is just so powerful. But our anchor text today is going to be Luke chapter 4, verse uh, 3 and 4. So go ahead and grab your Bible. It's Luke chapter 4 verses 3 and 4. And so I will begin. And it says, And when the tempter came to him, he said, If you be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now you guys know we have read this several times and we've done Bible studies on them, but I think there are also different ways of looking at this scripture. And I want us to see this again with new eyes. And I know we've done this, but God is always revealing something to us. And so it could be helpful in our lives, it could be helpful in our careers, with our families, whatever it may be. But in this examination of the wilderness temptation, I want you to note that the tempter asks Jesus to command stones to bread for the wrong reasons, for the wrong motives. So I think this is really an important aspect of asking whenever we come to God, whenever we pray to God. And even when the tempter tempted him to ask, you know, for a wrong motive, he actually had to say no to that. Not that necessarily turning stones into bread is bad, right? Now, we have learned that Jesus taught us to pray also by commanding. That's another thing we have learned and have beginning to learn is the the way in which we access heaven. So likely Satan knew God could command anything, right? So he's, he told him, command. He didn't say pray or ask for it. He said command that these stones be turned to bread. Um, and obviously Satan knew he could do it. He told Jesus, command them. And as he did with the storm, you know, Jesus Christ, he commanded the storm. He commanded healing. He commanded casting out unclean spirits. So this isn't really a big feat for Jesus. And I think this is something we have to understand because I think a lot of times we think he's 
you know, kind of provoking Jesus Christ to do something outside of his character or to do something magnificent, but Jesus was doing this sort of thing all over the place. He turned water to wine. He walked on the waters. He cast out evil spirits. And so this is not something outside of what he would do. In fact, we don't know if after, you know, the temptation, when it says that the angels came to minister to him, that they didn't bring him like a six or five course meal or something like that. We don't know, you know, what happened after then. So, but we do know he did have a chance to eat, right? So I think this is an important point to understand that he's not asking Jesus to do something outside of his capacity, but rather it's the reason for it, okay? But we do know is that the command is not difficult. But what was incorrect about this was the motive that Satan presented. And I think that's really something we have to, you know, kind of look at because the motive can actually be a way of helping ourselves, understanding our own reasons for prayer, for asking for things, whether they're personal, whether they're things in the earth. I think they help us to learn things about ourselves. And if we take a moment to be just even slightly introspective about the ways in which we pray, I think we can discover amazing things about ourselves and the ways that we can pray for ourselves. So Satan said, if you be the son of God, this is talking about who he is as a person, um, the Godhead person, right? And so I think that in prayer, there is this level of us, you know, kind of discovering something about ourselves as a person when we pray to God. And so Satan is saying, if you are the son of God, do this. In fact, in the second temptation in verse six, he uses the same reason. He says, if you be the son of God. So he's using the same justification for saying, go ahead and make bread into stones or some other thing. So it's teaching us, if we look at this very small scrap of uh, scripture, that motive matters when we pray and when we command in prayer. It matters about who we are as a person, about what we're trying to achieve in the earth, and then understanding what God is trying to achieve. So we must be careful to ask ourselves, what is my motive? If the motive had been hunger alone, then I don't think it would have been much of an issue. But Satan didn't say, if you be hungry, turn these stones to bread. I want you to notice that, because he could have easily said, if you're hungry, turn the stones into bread, right? But he didn't say that. He said, if you be the son of God, turn these stones into bread. So that's giving us an answer. That's giving us a motive. That's giving us a reason to turn the uh, stones into bread. And so therefore, we too must be vigilant and truly watchful as well as pray. And this watching is not only watching the times for more accurate prayer, because that is important, and watching for answered prayer, but it's also watching ourselves and our heart for an authentic prayer and for opportunities to reach into those places, those broken places, and see a reason to pray there because sometimes the things that we're asking for is not something that we truly need it's something that we're trying to shore up on the inside and that is the thing that needs prayer instead i want you to notice it what james says in chapter 4 verse 3 about prayer he says you ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lusts. That's James chapter 4, verse 3. So are we asking only for our sundry needs or pleasures? 
And if I may say, and I really don't think God is against us asking for what we want, even if it's not a necessity, right? I think he's against our excesses, the excesses that tend toward greed, glut, or avarice. But he wants our authority in commanding the power of God, not just for ourselves and our needs, but for others too. And asking God or commanding the power of God requires more than just the authority to do so. See, Jesus had the authority to command the power of God. Peter had the authority to command the power of God. Paul and many believers had the authority. There are many more in our day um, that we live in now that have the authority, but do not use it or even know how. So what matters most in this equation as far as we are concerned, is the motive to command the power of God. Because isn't that what the tempter said to Emmanuel? He said, if you be the son of God, command, right? This is where the will of God comes in. And let's look at what the Bible says about asking as well, when we think about the will of God. And we're going to look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, and it says, And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we desired of him. That's 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. And that's actually pretty huge when you think about it. Jesus said specifically himself that we must ask in his name. And using Christ's name underscores the concept that you and I are asking under jurisdiction or even authority. I think you should underscore that, like really think about that. So knowing the law or the will of that authority or jurisdiction is key when commanding under authority or even asking. Remember the law of the land in any country or kingdom or principality or wherever ideally are the representation of the will of the people or the leader. Incidentally, this is why the law has not been abolished but fulfilled. And this is why reading, meditating, and studying God's word, even renewing your mind, is very important. Let's read how we ask and command power under jurisdiction as well. So let's see what the Bible says about that. And we're going to look at what Jesus Christ said in John chapter 14, verse 13 and 14. It says, And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. That's John chapter 14, verse 13 and 14. So it is impossible to know all of God's will unfurled in time, right? We're just finite beings. Yet here he is asking us to pray according to his will. How do you know the will of God when you pray? I think these are really great questions to ask ourselves. But it's often discerned through motive or cause, and whether that motive or cause lines up with the law of the Lord, or as we like to call it, the love of the Lord. So let your motive be God's motive. Let your cause be God's cause, and let your motive be pure after the order of love and the fruits of the Spirit, and I think you'll hit your target more often than not when it comes to asking God in prayer and commanding the power of God in prayer. 
You see, if you look at the Lord's Prayer, not only do you see how to pray, but you also see what to pray for. Not that you're going to specifically ask the Lord, although you can do this, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Rather, you see that it is within God's will to give you what you need for daily nourishment and health. And so the cause or the root um, thing that you're asking for is not necessarily bread, it's nourishment and health, both physically and spiritually. Therefore, a request, a prayer, or a command of the power of God is certainly more likely to happen when you pray under this un- under this context, understanding that God wants to give you nourishment and help. And if I know God wants me to have joy, I know that that is a prayer or a command that he will answer. Think about that. Now in the Bible study called the 11th commandment, and if you haven't listened to that one, I hope you will check it out where we discuss every um, the concept of man living by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I think this is a really important uh, concept because when we examine this passage of scripture on bread to stones in the context of chastening, we see something huge. We see that what may seem like God's denials or delays are often efforts to correct us or grow us through an experience. But these efforts are for the growth of our spirit and not our body. And this is called chastening. So this is possible to to happen, right? And this is really very interesting because so even when we ask, you know, give us this day our daily bread and we get no physical bread, (laughs) the goal then for God, and that's the thing to remember what God's goal is, the goal then for God is to use the absence of bread as a way to nourish our spirit and soul as well. It is then spiritual bread we're eating. So we have received that answer to prayer, give us this day our daily bread. So when there are denials or delays, ask God to work it for your good according to Romans. Um, that we read all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord and who are called according to his purpose. I want to show you something in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 16 to 17 because I think this verse sort of puts that concept in a great way. It says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17. Therefore, should you pray or command the power of God in your life, you must remember the necessity of nourishment of the spirit and not just the body. Nourishment of the spirit and the gifts and the blessings that must occur for the spirit and not just for the body, the things we want in our physical life, that God answers also according to nourishment, whether that is physical or spiritual. And so recently, we did two Bible studies on love versus the law, and it's called There is Only One Love. And I really hope you check it out. But in this study, we see that love is more than good feelings, affections, and romantic notions. Love is deeper and far more encompassing 
okay? The Bible teaches that perfect love casts out all fear in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. The word perfect here means mature. This means mature love casts out all fear. Therefore, like any fruit, love must mature in us. So we grow in our love. A believer connected to the vine, which is Jesus Christ, and the Spirit matures in love. Look what it says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. It says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. So the Bible teaches us in the parable that Jesus spoke that there can be greater love or even lesser love. And this is really important because it's teaching us about things inside of ourselves that actually sort of act as our motives when we pray. And it says, and I want to read that parable to you um, that he gave, and it's from Luke chapter 7, verse 41 to 43. And it's talking about forgiveness and love. Let's look at what it says. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors, the one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me now, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, you have rightly judged. That's Luke chapter 7, verse 41 and 43. Jesus Christ is teaching us something about love, okay? He's teaching us that not only can there be greater love and lesser love, he's telling us that this person who was forgiven more loved more. And I want you to note that this is from the story of the woman who was Lazarus' sister, Mary, who washed Jesus' feet with her hair. You see, the religious leaders and even Judas Iscariot, the lover of money, had been critical of Jesus for letting this woman wash and anoint his feet with such costly perfume. They didn't know her story, or maybe they didn't care to understand it. So Jesus presented a parable. This parable shows that love matures and grows over time. When people say they fell out of love, likely either they never loved to begin with or have very, very immature love. See, the truth is you can fall out of romantic feelings and attraction. You can meet people more funny, attractive, or who have a better connection with you than even your spouse if you're married, even your friend, your longtime friend, or your business partner, or your children, or your relative. But have you met someone maybe, and and I think this is really key to point out, because I think if we understand that God is trying to get us to mature our love, because that's going to change the way what we ask for, it's going to change the way we interact, it's going to change the way that we see our um, relationships. Have you ever met someone that you thought was super hot, but after they seem really ugly because their character repulsed you? I've seen, and I can just tell you just as a woman, I've seen or met guys that I thought were super hot too, until their really nasty attitude, their poor character, and their wicked practices surfaced. So it's really possible to fall out of attraction for a number of reasons, but you can't fall out of love. 
Love is something that grows. It's something that you produce. You may have to even leave a person because you love yourself also enough to leave. You may lose romantic feelings forever for someone, but you can still do them no harm. And that's what love is. Love is a practice. Love is the law of God. It is Christ, the fulfillment of the law. He was the fulfillment of the law because when God so loved, he sent Christ. It means that great love must continue growing. It keeps growing to push you to do what is right. Love is not attached to a significant other or a child or a favorite car. It's attached to your spirit. Your love grows independent of a particular place, person, or thing. If a person is mature in love, you can be sure of the kind of love and treatment you will get from them because that love isn't dependent on you or anyone else. That's why we trust in God. But their relationship to God is what matures that love. So love must multiply and love should over time grow. It shouldn't diminish. So if we do not have bread and we know God can or should provide bread, then this is an opportunity for our love to grow for him, not for it to diminish. Oh God, you didn't do that for me. I prayed, I asked, I want this or I want that at this time. You didn't do it. So my love is diminished for you. No, we love him more. For trust is important in order for us to continue to grow in love. We must trust who he is. And this is a time for your love to mature when you don't understand. And this is why love is so important, even in relationships, human relationships. Because when a spouse has a failing or a struggle, and I'm not talking about adultery because that deals with covenants and whatnot and blood covenants or whatever, but I want to say that even when there are struggles in marriages, in friendships, in families, in business relationships, what that means is that that love is going to help you to do the right thing. You know, it's really going to help you to see an opportunity for your love to grow rather than diminish. And this is why two believers, and I've said it so many times, are a great picture of the love of God, especially if they're maturing in that love. Their ability to keep walking with the Lord in times of uncertainty, to do naturally, albeit with some protests from the flesh, what the law says to do in rules, the motive is right when it is love. And that is what I want you to understand. Even when you get down to prayer, the motive is always right when it is God. This is why it is imperative to learn about God. It's easier to know and understand his will when you do. And it helps your prayer greatly. You really can then pray according to his will. In the Old Testament, in Hebrews, I'm sorry, the Hebrews were actually encouraged to know the Lord. They would say to each other, know the Lord. And it says so in Jeremiah chapter 31, 33, and 34. And I'll read that now. It says, but this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, 
know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. That's Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 33 to 34. I think that's just such a comforting scripture. And I want you to think about it. To know the Lord was to know his law, but God fixed it so that now the law is written in our hearts. God is written in our hearts. Love is written in our hearts. And that is why knowing God is so important. We have to learn about him daily. And there is a reason for that. If you don't know the ways of God and you know little about him, you will pray all kinds of crazy prayers, albeit meaningfully sincere, okay? You might be completely sincere, right? But those prayers are going to go up and hit the ceiling and scatter on the floor. I mean, just imagine praying that the Lord would, I don't know, not destroy the earth or something like that, if that's already in his word. When we don't know the word of God, we pray prayers that just don't really line up with his will. And when we don't know the love of God, or we're not maturing in that love, it's hard for us to pray bigger prayers that reach out in greater ways. I remember one time hearing someone praying against something that was stated to actually happen in the Bible, and I remember thinking to myself, like, wow, do you really believe that? (laughs) You know that that prayer cannot come true, because you're praying against a prophecy, you're praying against something that has to happen. So I think it's important, It, it just really underscores the fact that you want to know God. And knowing God helps you understand Him and pray with pure motives. And so what is a pure motive? It's to pray for what is actually needed and wanted for the purpose of God and for what God wants. So when we see Satan tempting Jesus to turn these stones to bread, he's asking him to act with an impure motive. Turning stones to bread is not in and of itself sinful. Maybe you have enough faith and you actually could do it. But turning stones into bread to prove to Satan that you are who you are is not a good motive. So we see that motive matters. And the Bible teaches us the highest motive in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and also in John chapter 14 and 15. And it says in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. Wow, the highest motive, love. Honestly, John 14 is one of my favorite chapters. It gives me a warm feeling all over when I read it in its entirety. This is so nice because I feel like Jesus is speaking right to me. And then, of course, we all know this one, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, but I'm not going to read the text to remember and everyone quotes. I'm going to read this one, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 and 3. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profits me nothing. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 and 3. So let your asking be from a pure motive. And that motive was love. Prayer and the commanding of God's power should be for absolute good. 
And I want to show you that specifically in James chapter 4, verse 1 and 3, it says, From whence come wars and fighting among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet you have not because you ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. That's James chapter 4 verse 1 and 3. Do you want something from God? Check your motive. Not to prove yourself, but to glorify God. The next time you pray for something, try this. Ask yourself, why do I want this? Why am I asking for it to be done? What is the ultimate goal that will be achieved if I get this prayer? And this is not asking, and this is not actually, you know, me being against asking for things that you want. I don't think God is actually against that. You know, for instance, if you ask God for a yacht, I don't think he necessarily doesn't want you to have a yacht. But I want you to qualify the asks that you you make to discover your own intentions. And you can do this for absolutely anything you pray for. And if we let's just use the yacht as an example, okay? Usually when we pray for something, and in this case we're praying for a yacht, which is, uh, if you may not know, it's a very large and luxurious sailboat, you know? So if you say, God, I want a yacht. God, give me a yacht. God, may I have a yacht? God, provide me with a yacht, please. Or, or however you ask, I want you to go a step further and say, God, I want a yacht because, and fill in the blank. God, give me a yacht so that I can, and fill in the blank. God, may I have a yacht to do X, fill in the blank. God, provide me with a yacht for this reason. What are the reasons you want this yacht? Or fill in the blanks for yourself or whatever thing it is. It doesn't have to be a yacht. Put in something that you're praying for right now. Fill in the blanks with absolutely anything. Even if you're asking God for healing or even rescue, it will tell you things about yourself that will provide areas of insight, prayer, or even personal modification in the request. And I want us to try this. So let's try this with the idea that, let's say I'm praying for a yacht, okay? Or there's a a man. Let's say there's a man that's praying for a yacht. And he says, God, I want a yacht to go sailing. Yeah, go sailing. And everyone I know has a yacht. I want one to fit in with the guys at the country club. That's actually why I want the yacht. It might lead you to ask simply to... Maybe he wants to fit in. So maybe instead of asking for a yacht, he could simply ask to fit in with the guys at the country club rather than the acquisition of a whole boat when in fact he may be afraid of water. But you know what? If you go a step further and say, why do I want to fit in? That's the thing that he should probably ask. Why do I want to fit in? Well, well, I don't fit in. Why don't I fit in? I don't fit in because the guys at the country club, because, well, you know, they do A, B, C, or D thing, and that goes against my faith in God. And I want to fit in because I want to have relationships with like-minded people who value me. Then that might lead you a step further to pray a different 
prayer. Maybe I shouldn't even be at that country club at all if they don't actually uh, share my values and I don't feel like I necessarily fit there and it's maybe that's something I shouldn't be doing. Maybe I should pray that God leads me to a group of believers who share the unity of the faith with me in Christ Jesus. And that's why sometimes, you know, thinking about your motive of why you're praying for what you're praying for can really help you to find out new things about yourself, that your time in prayer is constructive. When you're praying out of this concept of loving God and His will, or maybe, you know, your real reason is you just want to have fun. (laughs) You want to have fun with your family and friends on the lake that's nearby your home. God would be happy to answer that request. He wants His children joyful. That would be a better request. You might be asking for a yacht so that you can fit in with the guys at the country club, And you're not getting that answer because that's not the actual reason. What you really need is a group of like-minded believers in the unity of the faith. But the guy who prays, Lord, give me a yacht so I can have some fun with my kids and my family, he probably might get that yacht because that is sincerely the motive and reason. And God is for giving us good things. Look what it says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 8 and 11. It says, For everyone that asks receives, and he that seeks finds, and to him that knocks it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom of his sons asks? Will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask? That's Matthew chapter 7, verse 8 and 11. So yes, God wants to give you good things. These are Jesus Christ's exact words. This is quoted from him. He said this. So ask, but ask with good intentions, because God always has good intentions for you. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. I pray that you are blessed. Don't forget to check out lovewalk.substack.com, where we have resources for Christians and also Bible studies. And also be sure to support us at paypal.me forward slash Leela Winston. Thank you so much. God bless. Bye.